It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. 49ers web zone, no huddle podcast, part of the Odyssey family. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick. No Zane today, but you got me and Brian here to take you through a mailbag episode. What's better in a slow off season than going to the mailbag? We got, we got some really good questions for you for the show to go over. Brian, this is a tough time for sports, man, because basketball just ended and it was a lackluster final. And hockey yeah. just ended and it was the Panthers and the Knights. And you're like, eh. And now all you got is baseball. And it's that slow kind of wait. Football's close, but it's still so far away. This is tough. It's a tough time of year. For, unless you're a huge baseball fan, I guess. And I like baseball, but there's be, there's be, there's better times for sports. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's the dead season for the NFL and for every other sport except really baseball. So, um, as as someone who does love baseball, that works out for me. Um, but uh, and not only that, but but my my Giants, man, my Giants are actually starting to to put some stuff together, which is nice. Uh, some young guys that they brought up, including one of their top prospects. Uh, he made his major league debut, got his uh, first major league hit in his first at bat, which was cool. Luis Matos, he's an outfielder. Uh, but Matos is up because Mitch Haniger, th- this is wild to me. He took a pitch off the forearm yesterday in St. Louis and mm-hmm. broke his forearm. Not his wrist, not like the knob of his wrist, not his hand, right? But like the meat of his forearm and broke it. I was like, wow. I'm surprised it doesn't happen because you got your bone right there and you're getting hit, you know, 95 plus. I'm I'm surprised it doesn't happen more, to be honest with you. Um yeah. J- Aaron Judge, I don't know if you saw this. He's got he's got like turf toe, apparently, from when he crashed in the wall against the Dodgers. Dude, oh. dude has to really start making some business decisions. Like he has to just say, yeah. you know what, I'm too important. I listen, I appreciate the hell out of going all out, but he's got to start making some business decisions. Maybe just let that fly ball drop in late May. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not miss yeah. the next months or whatever he's going to be out for. How, long is, know. He, how long is he going to be out? They don't know. And the Yankees, the way the Yankees are, they're uh, like, oh, we've never seen this before. We have no idea, which means we'll see him in, I don't know, fucking August or whatever it's going to be. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy, man. And Judge isn't like injury prone in the sense that like he's got hamstrings, this and that. He just always right. does something fluky. So uh, it's really frustrating. Yeah, it's super frustrating. But I don't know. This is a football podcast. So let's get into that, I I guess. So so to tie it back into football, I would say I would claim that that's more like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, (laughs) uh, injury prone, right? Where, again, it wasn't like Jimmy kept missing time because he pulled hamstrings or whatever. It was like freak, like, hey, I broke a bone in my foot. Hey, you know, I broke, uh, you know, or tore my ACL. And then uh, I can't remember what it was in 2020. I think it was a it's multiple, six high ankles. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like high six ankle sprints. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just kept <laughs> getting just kept happening. Just kept happening. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So Jimmy hasn't met an injury he, he doesn't like. That's right. And now, and now possibly, you know, his contract could be voided in, in Vegas. So you could not, you could not, not make this stuff up. You could not make it up. <laughs> All right, we got some good questions. I like some of these questions. And I put out the mailbag, and we didn't get a ton of response. And I was like, oh, shit, do we have enough questions to have a mailbag? And then I remembered that I had done one like a month and a half ago that I forgot to do. So we had a lot. So that ended up working out for us. So in the first one, is these are all good. These are all a lot of really good questions, I think. But 
First one we got was, should we be worried about Christian McCaffrey staying healthy? He had a lot of touches last year and not sure if it's sustainable. So I looked it up, Brian. Went and looked up exactly what McCaffrey's done in his career, touch-wise. So this is carries and receptions together because McCaffrey's never had more than 287 carries in a season. He's never hit 300, but he catches so many balls. So his touches, his rookie year, he had 197. 2018, he had 326. Now, 2019, um, when he just had an insane season, 403 total touches, 2,392 total yards, and 19 total touchdowns. It's great, but the next two years, he only played 10 games total, 76 touches in 2020, uh, 136 in 2021, and we were a little bit worried, is he done at that point? Is are, Have injuries caught up with him? It happens with running backs quickly. But last year, he was back. He played all 17 games, and he had 329 total touches. With the Niners, he had 211 in 11 regular season games. So you're talking 19, 20 a game. Is that sustainable for a season? Sure. 340 total isn't ridiculous when you consider he's going to yeah. probably catch like 70 passes or 60 passes or whatever it is. But do they have to keep him fresh? They do. And they need to have a second complimentary back to him to take to take some of the load off there. And we don't know if Eli Mitchell is going to be healthy. And it may, it may be Jordan Mason season. We'll see. But I do think the Niners have to go a little easy on him at times and spell him because you want him healthy this season for 20 games, not just 17. Hopefully he's, he's, he's there the whole way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you also have to look at it like this. Not every touch is equal, right? You know, it's not like he's getting 300 touches. Like Derek Henry gets 300 touches where he's just running between the tackles and the having pounding, those bounce off right? him and, and just taking a pounding, right. You know, a lot, I, I would argue a third, I mean, and, and the numbers bear it out. A third of his touches are coming in the, in the past game. Right. And so really what you're looking at is, is it sustainable for him to be the starting running back and what amounts to the third option in the passing game, if you want to think of it that way. And, you know, I think, I think if there's a coach that can, you know, that can, that can maintain kind of that kind of load for a player in his offense, it would be Kyle Shanahan in, in a way that that protects him from some of that wear and tear, but you're right. There, there needs to be somebody uh, in that room and, and, and that running back room is deep. You know, it really is because, you know, not only do you have Christian McCaffrey, but you still have uh, Eli Mitchell who has proven to be an excellent running back in this league. His problem is he can't stay healthy. Uh, And then you've got Jordan Mason who showed promise. And then you've got another third rounder in there in Ty Davis Price, who we didn't see a lot of, but the team believes in him. Kyle Shanahan believes in him. And, you know, I really feel like, and, and this kind of portends to one of the questions that we're going to hear in a second, but I really don't feel like there's a coach in this league that is harder on running backs and wide receivers than Kyle Shanahan is. He expects mm-hmm. a lot out of um, And if you're not, if you're not, if you're not doing the little things, right? He's not, you're not going to see the field. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with the issues that Ty Davis price has had the issues that Trey Sermon had, right? It was the little things that they weren't doing. And I think that if price and Mason can, can show some growth in there, then, then there's definitely a lot of talent there to be able to spell McCaffrey enough to where he will be fresh in the playoffs. Because ultimately, like you said, you know, you got to get through the regular season to get to the playoffs, but it's the playoffs that that matter most. So, 
you know, do you want to, do you want to wear down Christian McCaffrey to the point where, you know, he's not available for the playoffs? Absolutely not. So, you know, I think that they will do their best to, to, I guess, curb some of those touches, but at the same time, you got to understand Christian McCaffrey is the focal point in this now. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. really no question about that. And so you can't take him off the field too much because it, it changes what the, what the team can do. So do we concerned? Sure. He's an older running back that has had injuries in the past, but you know, he held up well last off or last season. And, and there's no reason to expect that he won't again this season. Next question is if it comes down to it, Debo or Ayuk, and that, and this is going to be, this is never, this is another thing that isn't going to go away. And it's not that you don't want both of these guys on your team. Obviously, right. you do. It's going to come down to money. And Brandon, Certainly. okay, so there's a there's a way that the nine they still have to choose. They're still going to have to probably choose. This team is not going to pay two wide receivers twenty plus million dollars no. a year long term. So now I'll get into no. in a minute what what that means like contract wise and what it looks like. And you say, wait a minute, Ayuk's going to get twenty million. Absolutely, he's getting twenty million dollars. What did Christian Kirk get? Eighteen million a year when he was on. Yeah, wasn't that about what that was? If Ayuk yeah. goes on the open market, he's getting at least twenty million dollars a year. Certainly, he will go Certainly. somewhere and be a number one wide receiver, and he will probably catch a hundred balls. And he, he is a really, really good player. Now, where it comes to the Niners is, well, how does this work? So you look at Debo's contract. Debo this year, his cap hits only eight point six million. But next year, but least, next year, twenty eight point five million dollars. Yeah. Now, yeah, can you can you sign Ayuk to an extension and, and finagle some stuff so there's not a lot of money in two thousand twenty four and have both of them? Or absolutely, you can. Yes, I'm sorry, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there is a potential out for Debo's contract after two thousand twenty four, and yes. then if they don't do that, there's another twenty four million dollar cap hit. So you don't know what's going to happen here because I feel like you don't know what's going to happen with Debo. Debo admitted mm-hmm. that he was maybe not in the best shape last year, that he didn't have his best season, but he was Superman the year before. He's had some yes. injury issues. He's tough to compare to, like, you can't compare him to, all right, well, Justin Jefferson does this or Tyreek Hill does this because he's not, he's a different kind of receiver. He, he, he's, a, there's not really a player like him in the league. You can run with him and throw the screens. He's kind of his own, his own type of thing. But is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to have another really strong season? Because if he has another mediocre season this year, they're not paying him twice. Why, why Why would you continue to do that contract? You know, and I know you may be kind of stuck in, be stuck into it um, 2024, but after that, you're, you're not going to continue to do that. So they may make a choice where either they try to trade Debo. A lot of it depends on what's going to happen this year, but maybe they try to trade Debo or they do something where they sign Ayuk. There's not a lot of money up front and they kick the can down the road money-wise. And then Debo's only on the team another two years. But as much as I want to see these guys play for the, you know, to be Rice and Taylor and be on, be on the team forever, it's not going to happen. I really don't think so. Um, it's going to be one or the other, probably. You make it two years with them, but then it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, you know, and and the the question, right, when it comes down to it, Debo or Ayuk, I feel like we've answered that question before on this show, and I know that I have, and I'll, and I'll say it again. Um, I would still choose Ayuk or, over Debo Samuel, and I say that only because I believe that, that Brandon Ayuk is a better wide receiver than Debo Samuel. I don't necessarily think that Brandon Ayuk is a better football player than Debo Samuel because I don't know that there's a more dynamic player in the NFL with the ball in their hands outside of possibly mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill than Debo Samuel. And 
<clears throat> when you have an offense like the 49 that is quite literally built on yards after the catch, it's hard to find a player better suited than, than Debo Samuel. The only issue with Debo is what we saw last year, right? Where you had, like you said, he was Superman the season before, and then you have that expectation and he comes in and he's out of shape. And and granted that had a lot to do with, with the contract situation and, and all mm. of that. So, so you've got to, you know, you, you've got to take that into account, but that's not the first time as a 49er that Debo Samuel has come to camp out of shape and had it affect his entire season because the season prior to his Superman season, we had the same issue. And mm -hmm. so you haven't had issues like that with Ayuk. You haven't had issues. You've had Ayuk's been in the doghouse with Shanahan before. And, you know, like I said, Kyle Shanahan, there might not be a coach in the NFL that is harder on his wide receivers than Kyle Shanahan. And I think that's largely due to the fact that that's the position that he played. And he expects a lot out of his, out of his wide receivers. And so, you know, he tends to be a, a little bit tougher on them than, than other coaches, but you haven't had issues where you question Ayuk's, you know, fitness or question mm -hmm. Ayuk's uh, commitment or anything like that. And so, you know, there, there, there's those questions and those are questions that, that teams don't want to have. <laughs> Especially if you're right. paying a guy $28 million. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, I think, I think that, like I said, if, if it came down to it, if I was making the decision, my decision would be Ayuk. Also because the way that Debo Samuel plays football, you question how long he's going to be able to maintain that level of play and that type of play. Whereas right. with Ayuk, it's not, that's not a question. His, he is, he has more finesse in his game than he does, than Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is a bowling ball with knives, whereas <clears throat> Brandon Ayuk is a technician when it comes to route running and has run after the catch ability, but largely his skill set is more as a traditional wide receiver, like I said, who can run any route that you ask him to run and can absolutely put DBs in a blender. Whereas Debo Samuel puts DBs in a blender because he just runs right through their chest. So right. eventually he's not going to be able to do that. Then the question becomes, well, where is Debo Samuel's value? Whereas Ayuk, you can say, I think he's going to be able to continue to do this for the next five years, right? Where he's going to be able to be, you know, a, a, a technician and a route runner mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and be effective. So I think that that has something to do with the, with the decision as well. Yeah, and Debo is not getting a second contract, not at that money. So you do have to maybe make no. a decision, like like down It'll be the road. His third also, contract, right? Right. Yeah. It it also it also depends on does Ayuk want to be here? That's another thing that maybe Certainly. we're not. Maybe he does want to be here, but maybe he wants to go somewhere where they're going to throw the ball and he's going to get 145, 150 targets or whatever it is, and he's going to put up huge numbers. Maybe he wants that. Maybe. Stefan Diggs isn't in Buffalo in two years and, and Brandon Ayuk is something along those lines. Who who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But something to keep an eye on. And it, and it is, you know, we have this season. Let's enjoy it. This is a big year. But after that, it's it's going to come up. and it, It's going to be interesting. How has the O-line looked? Is it going to be good enough this season? Well, you can't tell anything in OTAs on the O-line. 
but is it going to be good enough this season? <sighs> I think it's going to be good enough, Brian. Good enough for the team to win a lot of games. Good enough for the team to go far. There are definitely question marks. Uh, Trent Williams is a year older. He's he's still probably the best, or at least arguably the best left tackle in football, but he's, he's getting up there. Is Spencer Burford going to be take a step in year two now that he's probably going to play full time unless they split with Feliciano again or whatever they're thinking of doing, but it'll probably be Burford. Is McKibbitt's going to be able to hold up? Is Brendel going to be able to hold up in year two? We liked what we saw from Aaron Banks. I think he's a rising player, but it's fair to question it, man. Like it's one of those things I feel like we're not going to know until we see it. But at the same time, when I look at this old line under this regime, I always go back to 2019 when McGlinchey and Staley were both out for long periods of time. And you had Justin School and Daniel Brunskill, and then it was a beat. They didn't lose a game. When you have Colt McKibbitts playing in the um, NFC Championship game, it's like it's like they don't miss a beat. So I kind of feel like they're good enough offensively, and, and they know what they are with their guys to at least – is it going to be good enough? Yes. Are we talking Super Bowl when you go against those really strong defensive fronts? We'll, we'll see. But good enough to get them to be a really good team this year and win a lot of games? I believe, I believe so. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we we talked a little bit O-line with Jordan on our last episode, Jordan from Niners Nation. If you guys didn't listen to that episode, go back and listen to it. It was a good one. But one of the things that Jordan brought up, and and I don't think it gets talked about a lot, and he brought it up in the context of of talking about the O-line, but but we had a different conversation about one of Kyle Shanahan's best uh, best <clears throat> attributes as a head coach. And one of the things we talked about was his ability to identify coaching talent. And one of the things that I don't think we talk about a lot is just how good Chris Furster is as the offensive line coach. You know, I think, I think he's widely respected in the NFL um, and he's probably, you know, at least top 10 in at his, you know, at his position, right. As a position coach for the offensive line. And, you know, he has a lot of faith in both Jake Brendel, right, which was born out last last season. He the reason that Brendel was on this team was because of Chris Forster, and then I think he has a lot of faith in both Burford and McKivitz to the point where you know he came out and said in OTAs, "Hey, there's really not a competition here. This is their job, their mm-hmm. job, and in, unless something catastrophic happens, and to me that seems more." injury related than than play related like they're going to go into the season as as the starters right and and continuity continuity is a big 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 factor when it comes to offensive line play 100%. and for the most part they're going to have it right outside of uh mckivitz coming in for mcglinchy uh there's a lot of continuity on that line so so that right is reason to at least be positive about about the offensive line but we won't really know until the bullets start flying, right? And that's not even preseason. That's going to be, you know, week one. And so do I think they're going to have a top 15 offensive line? Probably, largely because they've got Trent Williams, who is the, one of the best offensive linemen in the history of football. And that a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And so his play helps elevate the line in and of itself. But there's really no way to know how this how this line will gel until probably midseason uh, as long as there's no injuries mm-hmm. and so you know in, in that regard it, it, it's a waiting game which is frustrating but 
I mean, it is what it is at this point. I love this next question. And it really is this, this is asking a hard question to me. Like this really throws it in somebody's face and you have to think about this quarterback situation. Al, everyone has penciled us in for the Super Bowl or NFC Championship game, but we still don't even know who the QB is. Are the 49ers overrated? I think that is a real question. Now, overrated in the sense that as a team, no, no, they're they're loaded. The Niners are loaded. The Niners are going to be a really good team, and they're going to win a lot of games with whether it's Darnold, whether it's Lance, whether it's Purdy. Well, it will be Purdy, assuming he's healthy, but whatever. If it's any of those guys. Mm-hmm. They're going to win a lot of games unless somebody goes Nick Mullins, right? And you just turn the ball over like crazy. And I guess, I guess we don't know about Lance and Darnold has turned the ball over, so it's possible. But in terms of the Super Bowl, which is what we're talking about, I thought it was a good question because are they overrated in terms of a Super Bowl contender? How many teams have we seen that you could do, that don't have you really don't know what to expect at the quarterback that you're saying, yeah, they're going to be in the Super Bowl? The Niners are like a team like we've never seen before. We've never seen right. this before. Even when they were good back with Harbaugh, like Kaepernick was a weapon. You could mm-hmm. say he had faults or whatever else. He was a weapon. Alex Smith was was steady. So now you have you're in a situation where where we think we like Brock Purdy, but we don't know for sure if he's going to be healthy. We don't know if he's going to have a second half or a second sophomore slump. Lance, we have no idea, and everybody's scared shitless of Sam Darnold. So if if <laughs> the quarterback is not what we what we we hope it was going to be. Can they falter? I think it's a great question. Then all of a sudden they're not Super Bowl contenders if they have issues at the quarterback. So very solid question. They're going to be a good team regardless, but sure, like any team in the NFL, that quarterback position will decide whether or not you're a Super Bowl hopeful. And hopefully we'll know early in the year where we are on that. This team has been a Super Bowl contender since 2019, and you could argue that there's been questions at the quarterback position every year, right? Like, I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo has ever been the answer. Um, no. And so, I mean, since 2019, right? They've been they've been Super Bowl contenders. I, I don't think anyone has deemed them Super Bowl favorites, right? That tends to mm-hmm. go to uh, the team with uh, Tom Brady and now the team with Patrick Mahomes, right? And so, are they favorites? No. Are they contenders? Uh, absolutely. Largely on the backs of the fact that this NFC is awful, right? It is just awful. There are three teams that are that are going to battle for for the NFC supremacy, and it's going to be the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Are there going to be teams that surprise? Certainly. And, sure. you know, that happens every year. But largely it's those three teams. And, and the other two teams have answers at quarterback, and the 49ers don't. But the other two teams have questions on in other places that the 49ers don't. And I I waffle back and forth. You know, this whole the the whole debate between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, right? It it really stems from this idea that people believe that in order to be a perennial Super Bowl contender, you need a guy. At, at quarterback, you need a Tom Brady, you need a Patrick Mahomes, you need a Josh Allen, you need a Joe Burrow, right? Then, and, and with Brady gone now, it really is, it really is kind of uh, a top five of Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, 
And then the other two, you could argue, you know, could be, you could throw in, you could throw in Lamar Jack, throw in Justin Herbert, right? You, <clears throat> the, the bottom two there of the top five are, are, are debatable, but those top three are, are probably are not. And so as 49er fans, right? You're like, I want one of those. I want one of those guys. I want a guy, right? And, and the reality is, is Brock Purdy is likely not a guy, right? But I argued last year that of the quarterbacks that have taken control of the NFL over the past three to five seasons, Brock Purdy reminds me most of Joe Burrow, right? In that Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Burrow is, is more physically talented than, than Brock Purdy. I'm not trying to say that he's not, but he is not nearly as physically talented as Allen or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or even mm-hmm. Herbert, right? But what Burrow has is, is a lot of what Brock has, and that is confidence unflappability and he wins with his mind i think more than he wins with his physical uh, play now he's still got a great arm right but it's not a it's not an elite arm and it's very, like i said reminiscent of of brock purdy who has a, a an average arm right so when we have this debate about Brock Purdy versus Trey Lance. Like Trey, Trey Lance has more of an opportunity to be like Patrick Mahomes than Brock Purdy does. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen Joe Burrow beat Patrick Mahomes many times already. Right? I think it's 3. I believe I believe Burrow is 3 and 1 against Patrick Mahomes. And that that loss has came in the AFC Championship game this this past season. So, no, I don't think the 49ers are overrated, even with the question mark at quarterback. And it's largely because they have guys there that we know they can win with. We know they can win with Brock Purdy. They are two and two with Trey Lance. And then we don't we don't know what they have with with Sam Darnold. But Mm -hmm. what they do have is Kyle Shanahan. And they have is Christian McCaffrey. And it was George Kittle and Brandon Nayuk and Debo Samuel and you know you just look at this team and and it really is a team that you could argue is quarterback proof at this point and so like you said unless there's some kind of epic Nick Mullins level meltdown from one of these three quarterbacks it's hard to imagine this team not competing for the Super Bowl even with question marks at at the QB position because they've just put together what you can argue is the most balanced and deepest roster in the NFL. This is a question I like because I think this is a player that has got signed without a lot of fanfare and he could end up playing a big role this year. That's Isaiah Oliver. This person asked, what is the plan with with Isaiah Oliver? The plan with him is that he's going to be the nickel guy. And if you look at Oliver, now he uh, tore his ACL in 2021 so we only played a total of 16 games in 2021 and 22 but the defensive coordinator for uh the felt or uh, for the falcons dean pease said you know when he was mm-hmm. gone we you could tell we missed him it was obvious that we missed him and steve wilkes had an up close and personal look at him last year with the carolina panthers and 
read something on PFF where it says if if Oliver plays this year like he did the last two games last year, uh, he, he'd be the best slot corner in, in the league. He had nine tackles, a sack, two passes defended against the Cardinals, and uh, I believe it was a week 16 game. Two passes defended the following week against Tampa with four tackles. He, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Steve Wilkes knows secondary. He's a secondary guy. And they brought him in here to, to, to be the nickel. And then you'll probably have Womack backing him up or whatever. But it's I thought it was a great signing. It was a really good under-the-radar signing. And I believe the plan with him is, yeah, he, he's going to be the nickel guy. And I think he's going to be a big player on this team this year. Yeah, and they signed him. I believe they signed him to a two-year deal. So he, he'll be here yeah. this year and next year as well. Uh, but yeah, he came in to play nickel. I mean, that is that is his best role, and that is the biggest hole that the secondary had. And one of the things that Steve Wilkes likes to do is blitz his nickel corners. And so uh, Isaiah Oliver is also a good blitzer. And so you you tie that together, and you think, yeah, exactly. He's he's they're they're penciling him in. He plays Jimmy Ward in the slot, and it will be Traverius Ward and Diamador Lenore on the outside. And then mm-hmm. Womack and uh, Ambry Thomas and Daryl Luter Jr. Uh, those are all guys that will uh, just be depth for uh, for this team. And I think I think Miles Hartsfield is another guy that that is likely probably depth mm-hmm. both at safety and nickel. Um, and then Samuel Sammy Womack as well. So you know I think uh, as long as Oliver stays healthy, uh, I think I actually think that might you could argue as an upgrade over Ward. Not that Ward played poorly, um, but Isaiah Oliver is just a younger player. And, um, you know, Ward Ward is a safety. He was a safety playing nickel and he could do it and he did it well, but Oliver mm-hmm. is a, is, is a nickel corner through and through. And so uh, I'm excited to see what, what he does in this defense. All right. Will the 49ers sign in Gakway, Justin Houston, or another D end? I don't know that they're going to sign one of those guys. Uh, I saw that they were a good fit for Chase Young if they want to trade for him. But I, I've been saying this. I've been screaming from now on top. I think they need to bring another edge player. I just don't think there's enough there. Um, yet we were hoping that Drake Jackson can take that next, that next step. But even, you know, if, if he does, you still need guys behind him. You're relying on Kerry Hyder and Austin Bryant. And you're relying on Cleveland Farrell and Alex Barrett and B, uh, Robert Beal. And... You just don't know with any of those guys. And yeah, we, we think Chris Cosera can can coach people up, but listen, at some point, like like you, you need the talent too. And I think the Niners absolutely again, we're we're not talking like can we win the division? Can we win a playoff game? We're talking, can you win the championship? And I really, really passionately believe that they need another another edge guy to rush, rush, rush the passer. So I don't know if it's gonna be one of those two, but I hope it's somebody, a veteran guy that they're gonna bring in. Should they bring them in? Yes. Will they bring them in? No. And I think largely that has to do more with the financial aspect of it than anything else. Um, the other thing is, I, you know, at can't, this point, can't they sign them on a like a prove it deal though. Can't you, you know what I mean? Like a million, then you get like kind of five sacks, $2 million, you know, incentive type thing. I mean, you could, you could, but they still don't have a ton of wiggle rid of the cap. But you also got to understand that those players are probably not down to sign approval. I, I I genuinely believe both those guys. Now that they, now that o, you know, mini camps and OTAs are over, I I guarantee both of those guys are just waiting for for one team to lose a player in camp mm-hmm. and 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 then sign a deal that you know is is more than the 49ers can afford. So. 
that's where I think the 49ers are out of luck is that they, they don't have the kind of money to throw around that other teams will if, and, or when, you know, they, they lose an important edge piece and Ngakwe and Houston are there. Now of those two, I would say that Houston is probably the likelier uh, scenario just because he's older and, you know, is in the twilight of his career. He might be willing mm. to sign some kind of prove it deal, but Ngakwe has no reason to, you know, he's still young. He's still productive. You know, I think, I think you're going to see him sign in July and it's going to be for, you know, eight to $10 million or something like that, which the four yeah, don't have. There's and a lot the of guys out there still. There's a yeah. lot of like big name players, especially at running back that are going to end up somewhere. Somebody's going yes. to get them. Certainly. Certainly. And, and again, that that's going to do largely with injuries in, in camp, but, <clears throat> but yeah, do I think they need to? I absolutely do. Because like you said, if Bosa does go down, God forbid, um, they're, they're really, really hurting at that point. Um, the depth that they had the past two seasons is, is largely gone. And so, you know, there's that that's a terrifying proposition to be perfectly mm. honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't see how they can't try to bring somebody else in. I mean, I don't know, maybe they know something about one of these guys. We don't, I don't know, but I just, I got, I look at it, like you said, it's a, we're a Bosa injury aware, just Bosa being worn down at the end of the season. From, sure. You know, from kind of carrying the load to, to to having a problem. So so we'll see. We'll see how it works. But everybody knows how I feel about it. All right. Let's do one last one. I'm going to change this question a little bit from what roles might the rookie class fill to why don't we just say, like, is there a rookie that we think rookie or rookies that may make an impact this year with the team? Uh, I yes, Jake Moody. <laughs> Take the low hanging fruit, dude. Just but, take the low but, hanging fruit. But outside of Jake Moody, outside of Jake Moody, um, I think the answer is Jair Brown. I think um, yeah. Gibson played really well last year, um, but he's on the older end, and and literally like genuinely considered retirement prior to signing a one year deal to come back and play with 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 the 49ers and specifically with Talano Hufanga. And so Brown, Brown has had rave reviews coming out of OTAs amp. Um, he was a favorite of Steve Wilkes in, in the draft process. And so I just think that I, I, I think he's going to play his way into some significant playing time. I would say within the first, in the first half of the, of the season, I don't think it's going to take that long for him. And then, you know, and then you have Gibson because here's the thing is, is with, with Brown, you could also run some, some three, some three safety sets if you wanted mm. to as well with Gibson Brown and, and Hufunga. So um, I think, yeah, I, I, I think again, outside of Jake Moody, who will have the biggest impact of all the rookies, cause he will be the kicker. Let's not, let's not front. He is not in a competition with Zane Gonzalez. Um, he is he not. Kicker. Uh, but outside of Moody, I think it would be Brown. And 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 if there is a surprise where you're like, oh wow, I didn't I didn't even think that guy would make the roster, or I didn't think that guy would have any impact. I'm gonna go with Braden Willis, the seventh round tight end out of Oklahoma. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. So the two you mentioned are obviously the two most obvious, but I think one of these tight ends. You know, I'm going to lean Willis to Marlatu is going to make an impact. And I don't mean they're going to catch 40 balls and be like you know, sure. a big part of the offense. They're going to play a role. 
Maybe they have 15 catches and three touchdowns. They make some plays. That's what I think is going to happen. You're going to see a 40-yard catch or a, a big score in the third quarter or something like that. I think one of these tight ends is going to step up this year and, and assert themselves as somebody that you could rely on behind Kittle. And we'll see what happens if they keep four tight ends. Really think one of one of Dwelly and um, Warner will probably be gone. And I think they'll keep the two rookies. But I, I'm really liking Braden Willis, too. And I, I think he'll be the guy to make the impact. So, yeah. Agreed. But we will we will see. So thanks everybody for the questions. It was awesome. I, I love doing the mailbags. Um, we'll definitely do more um, at some point. You know who knows later in the summer, early in the season. But we appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for the questions. For Brian, I'm out. Later. Nine zero three. One zero three. Nine! Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.